Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Good morning. Yom Kippur. Atonement begins this evening. Ten days of awe of introspection called teshuva, turning. Which started on the eve of the Jewish New Year, September 18th, the very day that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. She was a true woman of valor in the traditional accolade. May her memory be a revolution as the Hebrew blessing puts it. We know that we're living in a time of great peril. There's so much suffering, interlocking, Challenges are everywhere. How do we meet them? It seems to me that what's required is an inner revolution, which is what Shuva really means to revolve from ego addiction and resolve to be of benefit to all. This is an ongoing process, but it starts at home. It takes courage to look within and acknowledge our laziness, timidity, grasping, fear-based antagonism, our unwillingness to do what is asked of us, to see the manifold ways we cut corners, put things off, don't follow through. But you know, we cannot actualize our bodhisattva vow 
when we think we're separate from others. When we put all our energy into protecting this illusory and transitory construction we call the self or try to find fulfillment in the illusory and transitory construction we call an other. So again and again, we examine our thoughts, words, and deeds. As Buddhist practitioners, every day is a day of introspection. We can sincerely repent and atone for all the ways in which we have not lived up to our vow. We can clear away the veils of self-preoccupation, the distorting views that keep us admired in delusion. Thus we purify our hearts and recommit to shugyo, true practice, so that we can respond to the cries of the world with compassion, integrity, and discernment. Recently, I was given a beautiful book called Painting Enlightenment, Healing Visions of the Heart Sutra by Paula Arai, a scholar and Buddhist practitioner who studied with Shundo Aoyama Roshi, the author of Zen Seeds. This book is about the sacred art of Tsuneo Iwasaki, who lived from 1917 to 2002. Iwasaki was drawn to Buddhism from an early age. After his father died, he supported his mother by teaching high school biology and he conducted scientific research on silkworms and other small beings. He was conscripted into the Japanese Imperial Army at the age of 24. 
And he was a prisoner in an Australian internment camp for a year after the war. When he returned to Japan, he resumed teaching and doing research. And eventually he retired. And at the age of 55, he began studying formal calligraphy. In his 60s, he took up the contemplative practice of shakyo, scripture copying. Perhaps some of you have done this. He particularly focused on the Heart Sutra, which this uh, process of shakyo was started by Empress Komyo, who lived from 701 to 760. Paula Arai notes in her book, Iwasaki looked for ways to transform his suffering on the front lines of war into compassion for all beings. Nothing was more potent for him than his encounter with the Heart Sutra. So as some of us have experienced, copying the characters of the Heart Sutra is a powerful devotional practice. I still have a page that I started. I couldn't finish the entire sutra in the allotted time. At one of the temples we visited on our pilgrimage in Nara. But those were regular size kanji of about 15 milliliters. What Iwasaki began doing at the age of 70 was to incorporate into his paintings saimitsu, lines formed of tiny characters, each about two or three millimeters in size of the complete Heart Sutra. So each painting, each line is composed of these tiny, tiny characters, which you can only see when you look very closely. Doing this painstaking work, he said, I enter an environment where there are just characters. It is like Zazen. So with these minute, almost microscopic characters, he created images. Images of lightning bolts, 
dewdrops falling into a pond, pagodas, layer upon layer of these characters forming the structure, atoms, black holes, strands of DNA, and an enormous large-scale painting called the Mandala of Evolution. All of his work directly conveying the teachings of the Heart Sutra. For water to prepare his ink, he used little bottles. In those bottles were dewdrops. He collected those dewdrops once a year from lotus flowers at dawn on the seventh day of the seventh month in recognition of the Japanese festival of Tanabata, cosmic love. The legend goes that it's the one day of the year that the celestial movements allowed two stars to meet. In 1999, Paula Arai was in Japan on a Fulbright to do research on healing rituals that became her book, Bringing Zen Home, The Healing Art of Japanese Women's Rituals. So I don't know if you can see the cover but she used the detail of Iwasaki's painting, Heart Sutra DNA. She went there while she was in Nagoya to an exhibition of Iwasaki's paintings at the Nagoya City Museum. The artist just so happened to be there to give the closing talk. So it was indeed Ichigo Ichie. One time, one medium. A Dharma friendship was born. She visited. Iwasaki and his wife often. She joined him in attending lectures by the great Zen priest and author Taido Matsubara Roshi, abbot of Ryugenji in Tokyo, with whom Iwasaki studied the Heart Sutra intensively. Again, it just so happened 
that this Taido Matsubara Roshi was the grandfather of our own Masaki Matsubara Osho, who has spent time at Choboji, has given talks and classes, and will be returning from Japan soon to continue this work. Masaki was in Japan when his grandfather died at the age of 102 in 2009. And several of Iwasaki's paintings are at his home temple, Ryugenji, and also at his own temple, Butsumoji. In another so-called coincidence, Masaki met Paula Arai at the one-year memorial of Joshu Sasaki Roshi, and they have been good friends ever since. Iwasaki told Paula, I put my palms together with a sense there is some awakened power guiding me. When I paint, it feels like I am on a pilgrimage, quote, traveling to together, unquote, which is a reference to the Shikoku route on which pilgrims often feel as though they are walking with the 8th century Shingon master Kukai, traveling two together. And he continued, it's like my hands are being guided and inspiration for ideas comes to me in dreams and other types of mysterious experiences. Doing this connects me to all beings. We all know the Heart Sutra. Hmm? Yes? Most of, it know, most of us know it. I'm reading it. I'm chanting it. Most of us know it by heart. But how many of us have taken it to heart? Iwasaki walked five pilgrimage routes from the ages of 71 to 83. He died when he was 85. Every step of the way, on each of those routes, he chanted, Makanya Haramita Shingyo
throughout the millennia, the Heart Sutra has served as a mystical guide for experiencing the interconnectedness of life, for experiencing inner equanimity. and for living compassion in the midst of dire circumstances. I think it's time for us to take it seriously and chant it throughout the day and night, particularly the night of November 2nd, 3rd, and beyond. As you know, the Heart Sutra opens with Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of compassion, doing deep Prajna Paramita, sitting in the perfection of wisdom through which the emptiness of all phenomena is revealed. At the heart of the Heart Sutra is the phrase Form is exactly shunyata. Shunyata exactly form. In this absolute interrelatedness of form and emptiness, our compassion freely functions. What is emptiness? Pure energy. How does it manifest? Transitory forms. When we examine form, we find there is nothing solid nothing fixed, every form is in the process of transforming, being born and disappearing. Our suffering arises when we think that form has some fixed state to which we develop attachment or from which we turn away in aversion. 
so too experience emptiness in all its fullness, all its potential is to be one with endlessly changing, always flowing form. To understand emptiness is to encounter everyone, everything as it is, intimately, with nothing in between. We can't say, oh, well, the circumstances we're in are transitory and they're empty of any substance. So we can just sit back and ignore what's going on. Really? That's apathy. That's nihilism. Our intensive practice allows us to clear the mind of its self-obsessed filters and experience the emptiness of all five skandhas. Thus, Avalokiteshvara, Kanzeo Bodhisattva, can act through us. The Heart Sutra can guide us, just as it did for Iwasaki to the other shore of perfect wisdom. Gate, gate, paraha gate, parasam gate, bodhi, svaha. Paula Arai writes, in his paintings, conventional reality as experienced through the senses is superimposed on the ultimate reality of emptiness and interrelatedness. She continues, seeing in such double exposure, conventional reality, ultimate reality, is necessary to act with compassion. You need to hear audible form, a cry, to know that someone needs help and where to go to help them. You need to see visual form, a hand, to know where to reach and feel the physical form to, to help someone who has fallen. 
one of the most subtle and affecting of Iwasaki's paintings is called Grain of Rice. Some of you know the koan, Seppo's Grain of Rice. Here's a picture of it, which you may or may not be able to see. It was occasioned by a memory of how during the severe food rationing of World War II, his mother said to care for each grain of rice. So against a dark round, almost indistinguishable is an outstretched hand. I'll try showing you a detail and see if this can be understood. I don't know if you can make it out. This outstretched hand is holding one grain of rice on a glowing sphere. I might think of as the earth. And encircling that hand are two golden rings formed of the Heart Sutra's characters. So it may seem rather unlikely pairing Yom Kippur and the Heart Sutra, but Iwasaki's inspiring work and the arrival of Paula Arai's book at this time for me is yet another example of the Buddhist saying, nothing happens by accident. So, this new year is unfolding. Let us all turn to Prajna Paramita with no hindrance in the mind, no hindrance. Therefore, no fear. Far beyond upside down views, at last, Nirvana.
let us devote ourselves unconditionally to our practice now and this coming weekend of golden wind session on Zoom and every moment, everywhere. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.